The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Well, welcome. I'm glad you made it out tonight. Uh, it's good to be together. It's good to pause for a little bit, ask what the Lord has for us in the middle of our week. We are... Uh, in this series, as we wrap up the academic year that we're calling Call to More, and the whole point of that is that all of us feel, I think, some sense of call, some sense that I'm called to do something specific and purposeful. The reality is that a lot of times, figuring out what that is is difficult. It's ambiguous, it's confusing. And more than that, you know, that sense of, that sense of call that drives us perhaps at an early age, you know, it can be bought. Uh, it can be ignored, it can be put away, we can give up on it. We can often uh, settle into a calling for less, and so what we want to do over the next couple of weeks is ex- explore, how do we begin to go deeper? We know we ha- we're called to something, we're, we're kind of assuming that, but how do we begin to go deeper? Yeah, re- kind of recover what it looks like for us to perhaps have a sense that God has called us uniquely and specifically and powerfully to, uh, for something throughout our life. So, last week... We began this series, and I'm gonna, uh, let's look at Ephesians 2, because Ephesians 2 really helps us, uh, maybe summarize what we looked at last week. Ephesians 2 says this, it is, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And, why I love that, it's such a great summary for us, is before we, before we get in anywhere else, we got to understand a couple of things. Number one, that we are called to God. That we're called to a person. That we, we cannot mistake the sense of like, well, a specific job is what calls it. And a job doesn't call you. The calling by its very nature it says that there is a personal, there is a person or there is a, a personal call that, that comes to us. And we got to get this. We gotta understand this, because if we don't, what we end up doing is that we end up uh, running after calling, trying to figure out what calling is, uh, doing work to try to sort of win an win approval. We, we sort of try to work our way into significance, when the very first thing we need to understand is that we are called before we did anything. Before we, we did anything impressive, spectacular at all, we were called, and that God has called us to himself that we belong. Some of us know what it's like to feel like you do all the right things, you work really, really hard, and yet you feel like that just goes nowhere. And it might be for us that the most important question in this whole series is that we simply, we simply hear that God has said, I choose you. Before you, you do anything, you don't need to impress me. In fact, if you try to impress me, it's probably going to look awkward. And you're going to feel at the end of the day like, um, that didn't work. Because it doesn't work. We're called to a person. But second of all, that this person is doing something. That, that some of us might have the sense, yeah, I know that God wants a personal relationship with me, but, but that doesn't really help me because I, you know, there's work to be done. I, I, I feel that, and I don't know really what it means. Does the Bible have anything to say about that work? Well, it does. We've got to understand something of the work that God has called us to, the, the works that He has prepared in advance for us to do. And what we did is we raced Genesis through Revelation uh, last week, and, we, and you can see a pattern of God's work. And the pattern is this, that God enters in personally 
Very beginning of Genesis, the Spirit hovered over the waters. And he, God enters in personally into places of chaos. Places that are formless, places that are, that are void. And what he does is he brings order to the chaos. And we talked about that as forming and filling. He begins to separate, begins to name. He begins to, to, to it's just a big mess. It's a big pile. But what God begins to do is he begins to separate it out so that it can thrive. But not only does he separate it out and organize it, bring a little order to the chaos. But then he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill it with significance so that it can actually uh, explode. Life can explode. And then lastly, what he does, he says, okay, he enters in. And then he says, I want you because you're stamped with my image. I want you to do the very same work. And so I, I'm going to invite you to participate with me. So that's how he created things. But that's, he didn't give up on that work. Throughout all, all of scripture, we can see God entering in personally. Not from afar, but right into the midst. So that we can learn what it looks like to live with God. He starts to bring order out of the chaos, and sometimes the chaos in our own soul, in our own cells, in our own soul, what it, what it looks like as we interact with one another. He says, I want you to be part of that. I want you to be my priests. My, I want you to be a kingdom full of priests. Every single person is called to significant work. He invites us again and again and again to participate with him. Well, great. But at the end of the day, we're going, so what's my particular role? Right? We all have a sense of, we know that, you know, maybe where there's a general call that's great, but we know that we can't do everything. We're not called to save the world. We're not called to, to, to do absolutely everything. We're called to do something. And that often is what is so ambiguous. That's what's so challenging, right? That's the million dollar question. The question that has been debated throughout the centuries that we are going to solve absolutely tonight. Right? Because we got it. No, but we're, what we're going to do is we're going to explore it tonight. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you kind of my one thing, my big thing. Not the only thing, but my big thing. And then I'm going to have Dave come up and he's going to share kind of his big thing on understanding where is it that we uniquely fit in. And then we're going to take some time. Um, Ben will play for us a little bit. And it's your chance to say, okay, ask the question. What's the question you've always wanted to ask? And you can ask that. And what you can do is you can either, Brenda will come around with a mic or you can write it on a card uh, right in front of you. And what we'll do is we'll spend a a majority of the time and just say, let's talk together about what that looks like. Um, So we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be fun. Let me pray. Lord, thanks for this time tonight. Thank you for every single person that is in this room that you've called to this room. Thank you that you have... um, what scripture does affirm that you have called us to yourself and that you have called us to purpose and significance. So Lord, in the midst of our, um, the end of a, uh, of a school year, as we begin to look towards the summer, I pray that you speak through um, everything that might distract us tonight. And that we would, tonight, each and every single one of us would hear your voice that begins to call us into a place um, from confusion, from um, perhaps despair, um, from perhaps frustration into a place, uh, a wide open space, a space where we can thrive and run. Lord, we pray that we would be able to hear that voice tonight. But it's in your name. Amen. Well, we could be mistaken by thinking that what it looks like to specifically or to uniquely get that call is um, sort of a, a dramatic word out of heaven. And I, there's a picture of the St. Paul that I, I actually love because I think it sums us up so well. Right? 
we, we, we look and we see a number of narratives, we see a number of stories throughout Scripture, and so we want to read Scripture, okay, how does this work? And we see these people, it seems like God breaks in. Paul's just, he's a perfect example, look at this, he's riding in one direction, he's, he's an enemy, he's, he's chasing down Christian, Christians, God breaks in, knocks him off his horse, light out of the sky, voice booms at him, Says, Paul, I'm calling you. Paul, he knocks him. I mean, we want that. I mean, I lo- what I love about this one, it's like the little fortune cookie, right? That just drops out of, out of the sun. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? So specific, so unique. It's so easy. Like that, 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 and and what so, sometimes is so frustrating is we go, that never happens. I don't hear that voice. I don't hear anything that's specific. I don't, he, he's not grabbing my attention and knocking me off my horse. God doesn't seem to be speaking to me. Well, the problem is we don't want that kind of call. That happens sometimes. But when you, in scripture, when we see that happening, it's not as easy as we think it is. So Paul gets knocked off his horse. He's blinded and he's waiting. And God says, Ananias, I want you to go. And this guy that was hunting down Christian is actually going to, I'm going to use him powerfully. So I, I want you to go, and he, here's, here's the deal with this call. Let me tell you what his call is about. Because Ananias is like, dude, that, Paul, I don't want to hang out with that guy. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like me. Right? God's saying, trust me on this one. So he sends Ananias, and here's what he says about Paul's call. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles. Right? We love that. Chosen instrument. Right? We've got to send to my name for the Gentiles. Okay, it's looking big. That's going to be great. Sounds specific. Sounds good. And to their kings, okay, even better. And to the peoples of Israel, okay, it's getting bigger and bigger. And you're thinking, that's what we're waiting for. God, anytime you want to drop that call. He ends this way, though, which is unfortunate. I will show him how much he must, must suffer for my name. Oh, that's a bummer. Right? Paul gets a very specific call. And he's used pretty powerfully. And he plays huge within scripture. But Paul is beat up misunderstood, shipwrecked, imprisoned. I mean, the dude does not live an easy life. So often what happens, the more specific the call we see in Scripture, often the more suffering is involved. But what's fascinating about Paul is that he is sort of paradigmatic. I mean, he is the, the, the guy when we look to for a specific call. But he also helps us understand that we, we can begin to narrow down what God might be calling us to. And we see it in the way that he interacts with community. Paul plays a huge role individually. But if we look just a little bit closer, we realize that you cannot understand what the Apostle Paul does if you don't understand community. That he operates from within community. And, and the thing that I want to impress on us tonight is that we cannot understand our unique role unless we understand ourselves within the context of community. Say that again. We cannot understand our unique role if we do not understand ourselves in the context of community. I can go into this later if we need to, but I think that this is probably one of the biggest challenges for us today. We have more opportunity than ever before. We have more resources available to us. We have more freedom. And yet we do not fundamentally understand ourselves within a community, even if we talk it. We understand ourselves purely as individuals, and you cannot understand your call. You can't live into it. You can't move to a call to more 
if you do not understand yourselves within the context of community. So here's what's fascinating about Paul. You look at Paul, and at the end of his letters, you see him surrounded by people. I mean, it's, I'll just be honest. There are times when I'm reading through the, some of the end of some of Paul's letters, and I just get bored, because it's just a list of people. I need you to talk to Jane and Dick, and would you say hi to, to Joan, and then there's Tommy. You know, tell Tommy you know, to get his act together. And it's just, he goes on and on and on and on and on. And you're like, come on, dude, seriously. But it's because he's, he sees himself within the context of a community. And more than that, and then he goes on. If that's not enough, he goes on. He says, there's like 16 people that he's with. They're like, and, you know, and Dave wants to say hi. And Calvin wants to say hi. And by the way, Brenna says hi. And, and she's coming soon. And it just goes on and on. Even more than that, when he begins to talk to churches about, here's how, what it looks like to actually, a uh, faith to hit the ground. One of the things that you see again and again is that he talks about this idea of gifts, the importance of gifts, and how it is that gifts need to interact with one another. So we began this whole series, or we began this whole year with a look at Romans 12. So I want us to go back there um, uh, now as we, we look at this. So Romans 12. Right after, Romans 12 is this real turning point where Paul is laying down, he wants to, he wants to lay down for uh, the, the Roman Christians, uh, you need to understand some things about your identity. And then he shifts in Romans 12 and he says, okay, now we're going to get real practical, we're going to get right, right down to it about here's how you actually live this thing out. And for some of us, it will know that passage that says, um, you know, this idea of being a living sacrifice, Holy and acceptable to God. And then, he, and then he goes on, he says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. For each of us, uh, for just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. And he goes on, he says, we have different gifts, so whatever your gift is, just get after it and use it. And here's the thing that, here's the thing about, um, here's the thing about Paul. You sum this up. What he's saying is, number one, you gotta have a sober view of yourself. And I think I have a slide that, that summarizes this up. You have a sober view of yourself, which just means clear-eyed. Know what you're good at and what you're not good at. Right? Despite what you've heard, what your mom told you, bless her, you're not great at everything. You're just not. In fact, some of you are playing horrible at some stuff. And I know that because I'm playing horrible at stuff. Some, I've, learned to, I've learned to overcome. I've learned to compensate. I've learned to, I've learned to get through the things I need to get through. But we're not, we are both fantastic and we are also, um, just, we're just not good at some stuff. Have a sober view. Just understand, I, I'm, I'm just a person. Clear eye view of yourself. But he begins to say, now you need to understand how you interact with the world. What you're going to do is directed by Christ who is the head of the body. It is Christ who directs your actions. You're not the one who directs your actions. You're not the one who even defines whether you're valuable or not and what you're doing. It is Christ that leads that. And it is Christ as the head of the body that brings the body together. And you need to understand that you belong to one another. And we can go into that uh, if we need to. But you belong to one another. And, and what this at least means is you need others. And others need you. Not only that, the gifts that God has given you, the talents, the passions, the vision, the, 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 the things that are your A-game, are not for your sake, they're for the sake of building up the body. 
They're for the sake of others. And that's how we begin to understand our calling. So we can unpack some of that. But the first thing we need to understand is we cannot understand our uniqueness until we understand ourselves in the context of community. Dave. Well, this is the talk that I gave to, uh, we, I gave a series on calling. And um, I always feel like you could basically give two series a year and pack out a ministry, one on relationships and then one on calling and then one on relationships and then one on calling, followed by a series on relationships. And uh, so this is, because it's a big one. This is, a, this is one that we all think about. It's just so important. We're all trying to find our place. We're all trying to find where do I belong? What do I do where it gives me life and brings life to the people around me? Where's my place? That feeling of not having a place. I've, all, I've often said one of the thing that I appreciate so much about where you are in your life is it can feel sometimes like you're a ghost, like you're trying to find your way around and not really feeling like where you are is quite landed. It doesn't feel quite connected in a way that you, you can kind of feel like you're longing for. And so when people are asking about calling, oftentimes that's what I, I hear the I hear what they're asking for behind that is such a deeply a deeply personal thing, that wanting to belong, that wanting to feel significant, that wanting to feel like my work endeavor matters. What I do makes a difference. It gives it like I say, it brings life. Um but this talk that I gave at the UW was probably the one that got me the most grief from college students because what I, what my big thing is that um, I, there's a tension in this issue. And the reason why John and I are doing this this way, by the way, is because a lot of these topics, they have a tension. There's a tension to them. They're not cut and dry or else it would be simple. And that you cannot, that you are still questioning it is a good indicator that it's not simple. So John and I, what we will love to do is get together and kind of hash this out. And oftentimes we kind of lean a little bit, you know, one way or another and we kind of inform each other. Um, and my side of the tension is that I think we err on the side that we're looking for, am I supposed to be an engineer? Am I supposed to work at Starbucks? Is that my calling? I'm listening, God. Tell me. All I want, I would do it if you just tell me. And my emphasis is that I don't find that in the Bible. I don't find God calling you to be an engineer. I don't see God anywhere saying, what I want you to do is go and be a bread baker. And that is why we get so frustrated with God over this issue is because we're waiting for something that, in my humble opinion, got started right around the mid-1900s when we started introducing things like the four spiritual laws. God bless them. But that idea of God's got a wonderful plan for your life, you're like, sweet, I'll sign up for that. I want a wonderful plan. Because a lot of the world has a really cruddy plan. I'd like the wonderful one. I'm on. Give me, give me the wonderful plan. Where do I sign? Well, you've got to find your calling. I will do that. Awesome. How do I do that? Pray and ask. Well, I've done that, and then nothing happens. To me, that is a, 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 a misleading idea. And, so, and the reason why, and when I look around you guys, and I see people who said, God called me to be a doctor, and I say, well, tell me about being a doctor. And they say, well, I only work about 85 hours a week. Great. How do your kids like you? Well, they hate me. Okay, that's tough from my vantage point, 
for the kid whose dad or mother was called to be a doctor. That's a lot of weight for that kid to try to, to, to deal with. Well, how do I get in the way of God's calling? Does that person maybe have the gift of healing, like John was getting at? And would a doctor be a good place to use that gift? Absolutely. But for me, calling is about what gives you life in the context of community that is responsible also to the people that know and are in your community. So if you are working 80 hours a week because God called you to it and other people are suffering from that, then that's just an issue of maturity and discipleship. So my big thing is that I don't think God called you to be an engineer. Great. Um, I'm going to have the band come up, and here's what I want us to do. Um, We're going to take just a little bit of time and think of the question. What, how, we've given you some broad outlines. You help us put some meat on it because I think we have to talk with one another. So you can either ask that. Uh, Brennan will come around with a mic. Um, or you can write it on cards and you send it in the middle. And I'll come in the middle if you want to send uh, some questions in. Or if, you've, if you have a way where you go, here's how the light turned on for me. You want to share that? Share that. So um, we'll just spend a few minutes um, praying and thinking. All right, I know some of you maybe wrote down prayers uh, or your questions. I'm going to start, I got one, so let me start with this, and then uh, you can start uh, uh, deciding if you're going to ask the next one. Um, Brenna will be ready for it. So Dave, this, this actually pulls right off of what you were just talking about around getting real specific. Here's this question. How do you know if you're called to work in a potato chip business or a medical device business? Uh, is it based on your needs or do... Or does God love one goal more than the other? Can you justify any business? Aren't they all broken? So, are you going to do potato chips or are you going to do medical devices? Which one is God calling you to do? Well, okay, so this is, whoever wrote this question, this is exactly the kind of question that I love. Because this, to me, is such a great representation of how so many of us feel. We've got this option or this option or... No option, and we're trying to figure out what's the right one. We're trying to figure out what's the right answer here. And um, there's, this is, let me say this. What John and I, the the thing that I think is, is the most important when you're walking out of here is that you are developing the ability to think critically through Scripture discernment, wisdom on these topics. Does that make sense? What I want to say about calling is that if you search through Scripture, you're going to come up with different perspectives. Some of you are going to look at Paul's calling and say, I want something like that towards working in a potato chip factory. I want God's voice, so I'm listening, I'm praying, I'm in my quiet time, and I'm waiting for God to say, go work in the potato chip factory. And what I'm, my perspective is, is if you ever hear that, I'm sorry, because that's going to be miserable. The people who get called, oftentimes, are, they're in for a life of suffering. God is trying to bring, when he calls specifically, He's trying to bring a message to people. That's usually, it's a prophetic call. You're being called as a prophet, meaning that you are to speak a message that people probably are not going to receive, 
that God still wants to be said. Does that make sense? A life of a prophet is a hard, hard life. If you feel like you're being called to be a prophet, fair enough. But let me tell you, that's probably going to require counseling. It's very, very <laughs> difficult. It's very hard. You're going to need grief counseling is what you're going to need. The idea from this, from this, that for me and this card is, there is no answer to this card. That's our problem. Our problem is that we're looking for this right or this being right. And, and, and that, to me, is not the question. The question is, I would be listening to that person. I would say, tell me what brings you life. What is it that when you get your passion going, and you look around at the world and you say, when I do this, something really incredible happens. For some of you, it's a really simple thing. You are really kind. And so you walk into a community and you start doing things that are kind. And all of a sudden around you, people who have never had kindness start to have their wounds healed. And you do that and you watch them start to stand a little taller. You watch them start to get a small reflection. Catch this. In how Jesus is probably looking at them. That is a calling for me. It's where does this thing inside you burn and yearn for the world? Does that make sense? If you can find that in a potato chip factory, then that's great. I'll tell you, when I was in graduate school for this, I worked at REI. Some of you know this. And my passion is people growing. I love watching people grow. I feel like all of us, when we're young, are given sort of a set of tools. And some of them are really great tools, but usually there's maybe two or three of them. So you walk around and you've got yourself a nice big old framing hammer. You guys know what a framing hammer is? They're like that big. And they're huge. And they're used to drive in really, really big nails. And if you show up to a Habitat for Humanity site and it's framing day and you know how to use a framing hammer, we're glad you're here. Because you know how to use a framing hammer. It's awesome. Look at that guy go. Look at that gal. Put those nails in. If it's finished carpentry day and you say, let me at it. Boom. And you have people coming behind you, patting you on the shoulder and saying, that's, we need to now repair everything you've just done. What my passion is, is to help people learn how to use a finish hammer. Because they can. So this is, there's a little tension here. Is that you get this whole strength finders thing and all this kind of thing. Like, what's your strength? Do that. Well, the tension for me is, I'm not putting my money down on people who just use their strength. What I want is the person who cares about the house being built and is willing to do the work to learn how to use a different kind of hammer. Some of you are really intellectual, and you keep running into places where that is not the tool to use. It takes heart. I don't know how to do that. Maybe I'm not called to do this. What I'm challenging you on is, why not? Do you have a heart for it? Yeah? Well, what if your trying was enough for Jesus? Certainly, none of us are going to look at the disciples and go, well, there's a naturally gifted bunch. <laughs> right? Paul's 
Peter's whipping out swords and going, let's do it Jesus' way. I'll whack his ear off. No, Peter, put the sword away, right? This is just, to me, Jesus' whole, Jesus's whole picture is calling a group of people that simply have a heart to bring the message that the Messiah is in the world forward. And he works with them where they are. So if you got that tool, great, Peter, I'll take it. I want to refine it. But I need you to develop a whole new set of skills around wisdom. I need you to develop a whole new set of skills around working with people that you're not very good at. So for me, that question is the one that you throw out. Go work where you have life. And if you're not good at something, start to identify it. I'm not really good at math, but I want to be in a place that requires math because it it gives me life. I I have a heart for this. Well, that's all right. There are classes at community college where you can go and learn math. If you want it bad enough, you really want it bad enough. There is a lot of research that says put your money on those people. Because they're the ones that over time are going to start bypassing the people with natural talent. They typically are more resilient when they fail. Because they know they're going to fail. They keep working at it. Whereas people who have just a natural gift, oftentimes the first time they fail, they're shattered. And they quit. So there's some of you that are looking around at arenas going, I don't think I'm very good at this, but I'd like to try. You know what? I'm going to put my money on you. Now there's a tension to that stance. I don't know if you want to say it. Well, I'm, I, I might hold it off a little bit. Okay. I, I would, the thing I would say on this is if, it's, if it is purely, do I sell potato chips? Do I sell medical devices? The, the issue is that God cares about absolutely both places. Both places are a place where he wants to see. Um, there, there is a degree of chaos that yeah. he wants you to come in and be part of uh, his plan of bringing redemption. Mm-hmm. In both places, Absolutely. The thing that makes me think about this is, I, and this is maybe a little bit on get. it's not exactly gifts, but I think of this when I was looking for a job, it, and I had T-Mobile, Starbucks, I've shared this at certain times, and I thought, basically I'm going to get paid the same, basically the benefits are the same, and I, benefits made, made a big difference at that point because I had, a, I had a kid who needed a CAT scan pretty soon. Um, that's sometimes part of it. But I also just, at the end of the day, I go, you know what? I'm just going to have a lot better time because of my personality if I can serve coffee. And I don't really want somebody timing me, making sure I go to the bathroom in 30 seconds. I, I personally just know, I think it's, does God care about both places? Absolutely. But that's when you kind of go, well, at this point, I just go, I'm not going to do real well when somebody is like clocking me going to the bathroom. Um, so I'm going to go to Starbucks. There's so many jokes on that. I'm, I know. Not, I'm just wanting to let you know I'm filtering. I know, I know, I know. I just want to let you know where I'm at right I know. Now. And it's maturity. I appreciate that, Dave. That's good. Yeah. That's good. All right. Okay. Other questions? Raise your hand. Yeah. But it's got... Let's go with this one right here, and then we'll do Colby. Um, to Can be honest, this, name? my name's Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. I'm unemployed. And, uh, Thank you for admitting that. Uh, so this makes me angry. I hate this. I'm a passionate person. I mean... You look at my Facebook and it says right there like what I love and what I've studied for years and put a ton of money and I pay loans every month from my unemployment. And it just frustrates me because I want to move into other careers, but they're not hiring. No one's hiring. Like, and I finally came to the point where, you know, if I don't get hired, someone else does. That's exciting. And I do find like a blessing in that. But just like what do we do if we have these passions? And I have free time and I have the heart, but now I'm just like sick of it. Like I'm losing my passions over the years because I'm just like, I work in fields that are not mine. I take jobs just to have any money, like to have any benefits. You know, I've had health insurance once in my adult life. Like that's terrible. I have a master's degree and I have the passion. So what do we do? Like, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling in this period of unemployment. Like I want to use it wisely. I want to look back on this free time and like say I, I did well and I want Christ to yeah. be proud of me and I want to be a sweeter, nicer person. But I find like just listening to this, I'm getting angry. Like I'm tense and like, yeah. I don't know. Like what do I do? And you know, I'm, I mean, I'm looking for jobs of course, but how do I, how do I use my passions in this free time when they are very specific technical skills? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to work with women's reproductive health. Sorry? Women's reproductive health. I applied for my dream job and just got turned down today. So, I mean, there's, but there's a lot of things. I love people. I want to work with people. You know, I would work, I mean, I've, I've applied in every field. You can ask, sure like. Sure, <laughs> Thank you for, so, thank you for voicing that. Cause I, there's, absolutely. I know there's more people in the room that feel that. And 100%. I think we all have that yeah. sense of, and this is where I, this is sometimes I think when we have the sense that I need to have a specific thing, it's sometimes it's more of a burden than anything when we have the sense of like I want I have something specific I want to focus on and then when you're in this situation where yeah, there's just not any jobs yeah. you know my heart goes out to you I, I really it, I really it really does there's this part of me that I mean when I go back to my REI days when I was making you know whatever 12 bucks an hour and I had a 22 year old telling me I was 5 minutes late for break you know and I'm like huh okay <laughs> you know Wearing my green vest, and you know I'm in graduate school, and I'm going, what on earth? So, so there's a part of me that first of all goes, does this sound too cold for me to say? I honestly don't think that God is saying, I promised you that I would give you this. And that's I'm going to say this: this right here will get a pastor fired. Because people are paying money to hear that God has got this thing for you. You just got to keep, you, it's, it's like a magic code that you're going to figure it out if you pray the right way, if you love the right way, if you know people the right way. I want to tell you, the way that I come back to this, it was Jennifer, Jennifer. So this is the harder answer for me is that when I watch, and this is from me reading the Gospels over and over and over again, is that what I try to do is I try to imagine, suddenly imagine, there's no God. And this is it. Yeah. That's what I measure it against. It's what God is saying. is It's almost like, and I'm not, please hear me with, all, with a ton of respect for you in saying this. The way that I look at it for me is, what happens if I suddenly can't be a counselor? Do I lose me? No. Do I lose God? No. And that is awesome. Because the alternative is really awful. So I had to learn that while I was working at REI. I had to really get in touch with having been a pastor and having a title... And not having a title was really hard. It was very humiliating in some ways. Um, I would have people coming by and from high school like, Hey, Dave, what are you doing? Oh, you're working at REI. That's so good for you. And I know what they meant. Like, oh, that must be fun, you know. But there was an element of pity in the way mm. that they were looking at me. And I remember that feeling of just where, why, how. And it was really coming down to sort of the core of, let me give you the alternative, Dave. There's no God, there's no you. You get those things no matter where you are. And I want to say this. What was really beautiful for me and why I've always said actually that REI was one of my favorite places to work 
was at the end, what I found is that I just started doing what I do where I was. And you've all heard this, but literally, can we celebrate things that are awesome? The most awesome thing for me was having 60 people at my going away party. And they were lesbians and, and people that were in the alternative community and people that were all over the map in lifestyle and belief. And what I just felt like was, I'm just going to be a pastor here. I'm just going to listen to people and love people with my little green vest on. I got no title. There's no reason why they should listen to me. There's no reason why they should come to me. But I'm going to look at them and imagine what it's like for them to walk around believing that this is all there is. And let my heart just love them and see if in some small way they start discovering that there is a God and that they matter. And so, for me, that was a huge thing. And so I know that you probably already know this, Jennifer. I know you probably know to be where you are and start, what is at the core of women's reproductive health? What is the core of it that you start to do? Is it it to, to value people? Is it to love people? Is it to give people a sense of you matter? Do that. And then, I'm not worried about you. I'm, I'm not. I trust in 10 years you're going to find your work when the economy goes up. But that's what I think. If Jesus was in the room right now, he'd be going, Jennifer, at the core of what you want to do, do that now. Just start doing that. That would be what I would be saying. It doesn't answer your frustration, but does that resonate at all? Yeah. I don't think I, I'm going to, I want us to get to the next question, but I, I would just affirm that because that's been my experience, that how do you, there's a lot more than the technical medical ability of helping um, in reproductive health that fires you up and that pulls you into that. That's for sure important, but I, I, I'm, I know that there's more. And I, for me, I, what I had to discover was that sense of, one, that I, my identity is... is is still there in Jesus, um, even if you strip away the job, and some, and even put me in, in positions that feel humiliating, to be honest. Um, that's a brutal lesson, but that's the kind of lesson that you learn that and you become unstoppable. You can't, nobody can take anything away from that's you. That's exactly right. The other thing is that there is, there is that sense of, of you learning the very best of who you are, that it really is about bringing restoration and in, 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 um, peace into people's lives who are so desperate and so scared and so hopeless that anything will ever happen, that they will ever have a child. And, and you can discover the kinds of things that, that no... Um, in, in this time that no, uh, you never will learn in a degree program. And so it's to hold on to those things. And the last thing is just to have people around you that remind you. And that, if I chose one good thing, it was to go to a place where I just had people that would encourage me and, and continue to remind me that I, that I am called, that I am gifted, that I am loved. Um, so I moved to a, t- a place that did not have a lot of opportunity, but it had the right people. Else. All right. Um, I just want to say, Jennifer, too, um, I know that even in the tough times, like, a lot of good stuff is coming out of it. And I know uh, just one good thing is that, you know, you've got to spend a lot more time with Robert. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I know Robert has really um, got a lot out of that, too. So, oh. 
Um, but my, I, I have kind of two questions. What's uh, your name? My name's Colby. Uh, I used to live at Robert's house. So, uh, okay. um, but so you kind of miss time with Robert. Let's I be honest. Do, yeah. That's where this is going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. So I've got kind of two questions. One is kind of a, um, a visual question. And then the second kind of ties on to what you were just talking about. The first is, um, Stu, my roommate, introduced me to this YouTube video. And I'm, my question is, have you seen it? It's the one where they, it's a Japanese game show kind of video. And they, they tape uh, binoculars backwards on the people's eyes and they play soccer. <laughs> Dave, you I'm going to counsel okay. you to go not home, answer that home, question. Go home and watch it. Uh, I want to be, right now. Yeah. Because, because, no, the right now, all, all I'm thinking about is how long is this going to go so I can right. watch this. <laughs> the, the reason I ask is because I feel that's often how I am when I'm looking for calling. Because when you're looking through those binoculars, it, your scope of vision is really small and really, really far forward. And I feel like if we just took the binoculars off and looked around us, like we would have all this calling kind of all in our peripheral. And I feel like at work, it's the same thing for me. It's like, mm. what about all the people around me right now? And how am I called to the relationships, the people, um, the day-to-day? -day? It may not be the potato chip factory. It may not be the other place. But in both places, everybody that you're touching around you yeah. can be your calling. And so do you feel like oftentimes when we're looking for that call, is it through the backwards binoculars and we just need to take them off that's one of those questions that isn't i don't think it needs to be a question i think it needs to be a really great point and that's what we want in this room it's a great point yeah. i love it yeah that's awesome i'm going to totally use that i'll try to i'm going to try to remember to give you credit too that's good yeah. hello uh, my name is Irvin. um and I, I work as a, a software consultant. A lot of you guys know that. Um, and there are many times that I don't necessarily enjoy my job. You know, I, sometimes I'd be in meetings and, or, you know, sometimes I sit in a cube by myself for six or seven hours without interacting with anybody. Hmm. And it's, you know, it's not, and I don't dislike my job. I mean, I, I see a lot of good things in my job and I see a lot of positives in terms of, what I have in terms of, you know, sometimes, many times I'm looking, counting down the clock until I get to five o'clock, but it's still, there's something I see, this joy out of this, that I'm using my skills, I'm doing this. And I think one thing that I've realized um, with calling, because, you know, I think like any job, there's going to be those great things about my job. There's a lot of problem-solving aspects and things I love about my job. And there's a lot of draining things about my job. You know, I've been places where I've sat in through meetings for a couple hours. I'm just like, I want to be anywhere but here right now. And mm -hmm. I think every job has that. I think that that's one thing that I've realized. But I think for me, in terms of calling as well, I've realized that when I see calling the Bible outside of points that where God is at a very something, he sought someone out, like, you know, like a Moses or a Paul or a Gideon or something like that, and, you know, says, I want you to do this. But more often than not, it's been... You know, go feed the hungry, go hang out with the orphan and the widow, go do these things. And, and whether it's doing something at work or whether it's doing that in my free time outside of work, um, you know, I look for ways in my life to do that right now in my present. And, you know, like one thing I really love spending time with high school kids and I help out. With what? 
High school kids. Okay. Um, and I, so I help out with uh, the high school ministry here at UPC, and I just went down to Mexico with um, the kids to, to build houses in Tijuana. And, and so that's not necessarily my occupation, what I do during the day, but it's still something that I'm using, what I'm passionate about and the things and doing these things that God calls us to do in the Bible and doing that with, you know, you know my hours outside of work. And so I, that's maybe some of the stuff that I've kind of realized with calling. It's, yeah. Nice. Good. There's a technical, there's a technical aspect to this. Have you guys all heard about occupation and vocation? Yeah. So you know this whole thing about the idea that your salary can come from some jobs are going to be a real big crossover between your vocation, which is what I'm talking about. I'm emphasizing that your vocation has more to do with what you're called to do. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? And your occupation is where you pull a paycheck. And some people, they're almost completely synonymous. John's job is his vocation. I mean, it's various. And there's some great strengths to that, you guys. And there's also some real difficulties with that. It is tough, tough, tough when you get paid for what your heart is telling you to do in some ways. Tough to turn it off. Tough to have somebody writing your check for you to do what you love to do. There's there's some people who where their occupation and their vocation are completely separate. That's got some hardships too. You're punching a clock and you may feel like, okay, I gotta love these people. Man, it's really hard when I'm doing something that feels mind numbing to me. So there's, there's a technical aspect. And what I hear you saying, Irvin, is that for you, there's an element. You're, I'm putting you kind of like this. There's a little overlap. There's some of these people that you are loving. You're seeing what you do. But it's what's cool to me is that you have found a huge part of your vocation is something you do for free. Is that right? Yeah. I think that's a great, that's, that's really, really helpful. I think needs to be in the discussion. Is that when you're thinking about it, if you're looking for a total eclipse, that's fine. Um, and if you're looking for something that's separate, then that's okay too. All of them have their pluses and minuses. I would, I would argue. Yeah. Go ahead, Kyle. Kyle. When you say that uh, this idea that where you have your vocation and where your occupation, those two things overlap. It's sort of like a modern idea. Say more. It seems to me like that's like kind of something that hasn't necessarily happened for much longer than. I would say that that's, it, it's a complicated discussion because if you get into like church history, um, it used to be that, you know, that whole idea of occupation and vocation was kind of reserved for an elite class. So it was present where it got applied to the masses. I would be with you and that I would argue that that's something that we've only seen in the last hundred years. Now we're talking. There's a, there's a lot. I mean, Kyle's bringing up this idea. Uh, uh, when did we really think that our vocation, how we're going to, our occupation, how we're going to make money, and our vocation are going to be on top of one another? It is a modern thing. I mean, we we have the luxury of asking those kinds of questions in America. Yeah. Most I, people they yeah. get a job that's passed down to them, or they're selling chiclets on the street. Yeah, and you, they don't have an option. On what they're going to do. Totally. So they have to have their identity and have to see their, their sense of calling is bigger than, than what they do. So it's a privilege that we get to ask this question. The problem is we get to ask it in a culture that more and more has removed us from community 
Because this is about the individual and has removed us from God. So that we begin to say, if I find the right job, then I'll have meaning, then I'll belong and be significant. And it's a bankrupt, and it's bankrupt when you go that, that way. For me, Kyle, I think that you bringing that up is exactly what I, what I would hope for this group to be different. Is that, you know, that you're thinking this critically to me, is, that's outstanding. The way that I take that, man, at, when I was in Rwanda, I was in Rwanda, I think I told you, that, told you guys that before, in 95, right between the two genocides. And there were these stories that I heard of people whose lives were just tragically ended. And there was this part of me that felt like, and this is just me, but there was this part of me that felt like Jesus was saying, when he, when he was saying, when you did unto the least of these, my brethren, when you look at the, at the, at the, at the, at the, the, Disciples saying, when did we miss it? When did we not see you? He's saying, when you, saw, when you were with the poor, when you were with the blind, when you were with the, that's you, I was right there. You missed me. There's this part of me that feels like I want to have my theology around call also apply to the woman that is carrying a child out of her country in exile whose child dies on the way to, the, to her refugee camp. And this is harsh. But there's a part of me that goes, I do not want a theology of call for my life that she can't have. I want my call. If she can't have it, then I don't want it. And that, to me, it frees me from this idea that I was called to be a counselor. No. You know what it is? I was lucky to be born in a country that allows me the freedom to go get an education and study my passion. And um, other countries don't have that. Well, are they not called? I hope not. That's me. Anybody want to disagree with that, by the way? Fire back. I don't mind. This is where I can really get people mad at me. Go ahead, David. Oh, no. I was going to... Okay, go ahead. You know, I'm going to have the band come up, and because um, we, need, we need to finish it. We need oh. to finish out. Oh. Uh, oh, let's do, let's do one more quick. Yeah, you can do mine in like two seconds. All right. My name's David, and uh, my question... No. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, you get two seconds after I'm done speaking. Okay, <laughs> Uh, and the question being, hopefully this time it makes sense. I'm sorry, my questions normally don't. But uh, uh, if, if you're looking for your calling or whatever, I mean, how do you, if you're patient and listening, that's maybe that one aspect, you know, maybe you're just called to be in that state, listening to God or being patient. Or there's other aspect of whether you're actually physically seeking and trying new things and trying your talents and your gifts, for instance. But, I mean, is there one that's right and one that's wrong? And the only reason I say... I mean, I don't think one's right or one wrong, but I feel like maybe one's pushed more than the other. I mean, we're called to seek, but at the same time, really, maybe seeking is being patient and to listen, actually. I still want you to rephrase your question. I, I, because I really want to understand it and not answer what you're not asking. Um, can, can I, I heard you say something. I heard you say, sit, be patient and listen, or get out there and try a bunch of things. Yeah. Which one is which one is better? And I feel like uh, the seeking uh, is pushed more than us just uh, sitting down and God maybe actually just calling you to just be patient and start listening instead of actually seeking. I love it. That's great. That's a good angle for me. I, th- I think I can err on the idea of just go out there and do what gives you life, but there's certainly a lot of be- biblical precedent for the idea of just sitting and being still. You know, Psalm 46:10, "Be still and know that I'm God," is a starting point 
you know, see striving is the better translation for that. We're always, we're striving all the time, striving, striving, striving. He says, stop, 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 and know that I am mm. God. And that's a big, big deal if you think about the alternative, right? So I, I love it. It feels to me like you're asking us to hold attention between those two. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're both probably good. At least I I love it, Dave. Let me ask, what do you think? Uh, no, but I feel like uh, we need to remember that we I love it. This is exactly what mm. I love in this community, is that all of us in this room, if we're, when we are praying, when we're reading Scripture, and we're getting into the Word, and we're all seeking after God, this gets smarter. And you guys go out of here. I want to challenge you. This is the kind of discussion that you can start. And you can start to help people to think critically so that we are starting to act like disciples who are going to go out and make a difference rather than baby birds that come in here and go, feed me so I can be fed. Start this process. Awesome stuff tonight. Really good. I love it. Let's pray. Lord, um, we ask that this conversation would continue. Lord, help us to ask good questions. Help us to um, say things, uh, state our, what we're really thinking boldly. Lord, help us to always refer to your scripture and wrestle with scripture. Lord, I pray that you give us strength to hang on when we need to hang on. I pray that you give us courage to risk when we need to get out there and start doing things. And trying things because... Uh, uh, we've been sitting for too long. We need to risk. Lord, I pray that you give us humility. That as we discover what is, the, uh, is amazing perhaps in us, we also can hold that intention together with the ways in which we just need others. Lord, teach us to be community in a way that we do not get in this country. So that we can be people who can be about your work in this world. Uh, which is about flourishing which is about forgiveness, which is about restoration, which is about redemption. Call us to fill every single corner of life um, for your glory. In your name, amen.